Okay, so this subject is very fascinating and uh, I'm slightly going to deviate from my usual pattern of speaking only impromptu because a few things which the mother has spoken I have kept with me to share as we come. I'm sure we all know this. So, um, there are several ways of looking at Auroville. It's a city, it's an institution, it's, it's a idea, it's a conception, it's a labor, it's a utopia in the making, as the mother put it. It's not a ready-made utopia. As I said, there is no ready-made utopia. Even if we enter a utopia, we have to be ready to receive it. So there is nothing like a ready-made utopia. That's why. Because people often ask if divine is there and he has to do things. Why doesn't he just do it with a magic wand? He will do it but will again destroy it because we are not ready to receive. So therefore we have to labor. Labor so that we can receive rightly. And let me start from this very story of how the Pandavas have to labor for many years of Tyaga and Tapasya. Why? Because uh, Yudhishthira has been chosen even before his birth that he would become uh, not only the emperor of then Aryavarta, what today we call as Bharatvarsh, but not only that, he has to embody all the best qualities that are possible in a person who has to govern a kingdom. And therefore he has to go through all the trouble, challenges and turmoils. And Sri Krishna lets him go through all that. He doesn't uh, just do a magic wand and suddenly, you know, everybody's mind changes or everybody uh, loses a battle. No, because when at the end of it, when he gets the kingdom, he understands uh, what really dharma is in all its details, in all its uh, minute functionings. So too with life and uh, one thing is very, very evident which I have observed about, uh, it's, it's there all over, about Shurabindu's yoga, about the ashram, about Auroville, that if one is not ready for a long and steady labor, then this is not a place. <laughs> it's not like we pay some money and there are ready-made flats and we just go and take the key and only arrange things. And it's very evident because... It's millenniums of um, habits, patterns, beliefs, systems, uh, various kinds of uh, steps which have become now an entrapment. They were needed in the evolutionary journey. That's what the mother and Shivinda described to us. There is the stage when the reptiles were there. And though the, that age has been crossed, something of that reptile still crawls in human nature. Something of the dinosaur continues to live. And that's why human beings have a fascination for movies like that. Because it is there, it's not gone. And that's why we see that every attempt, previous attempt, to create an ideal society, uh, what may be called as a spiritualized society, has been at best partially successful and for a short time. 
because human nature being what it is see this earliest ages even the vedic age they tried to create a ideal society and this has been there in all the areas of the world but in india we have the records which are preserved that's the difference so they tried to create an order social order based on uh, deeper spiritual understanding based on dharma uh, they are i mean you can't have we can't have an order without any kind of law and there have been two laws which have been operating in parallel in this world one is the human law as human beings begin to grow their mind uh, because of challenges problems issues difficulties we start making laws and there is another set of law which runs which is deeply ingrained in our very heart the divine law for which we see prophets come messengers come and they give us a law which becomes a religious law an edict along you know through which human beings have to move but both fail in the end there have been efforts towards it why because religious law is received without having the experience of the person who has given it so when we follow a religious law and don't have the yoga with which a person arrived at a certain kind of way of life then we create a chaos such a terrible chaos as we see today there are religions which speak about almost all religions we speak about wonderful things but it fails because when a person at a certain stage of evolution utters something and when we receive it and obviously there is a big gap that gap can only be filled by yoga the mind cannot fill it therefore the first condition of any spiritualized society is to take into yoga return back to that primal roots aspiration yoga and any society where the yoga was lost as it tends to be lost in every religion we see these three things one is the core which is spiritual and it may be partial uh, complete near complete that's a different story it's some glimpse which is spiritual then we have a whole set of ways of life that we have to undertake and then we have the most external rituals and repeatedly because mankind has a tendency to get trapped into the most external it is visible tangible and therefore there have to be people who spring up back to the core connect with the core and keep the yoga alive this is how we see at least in sanatan dharma it has been kept alive simply because of the fact <clears throat> that it admits the possibility of union with the divine and therefore there have been people who have come and they have freshly understood what really the whole matter is about truth is about and therefore things have evolved and changed because the outer cannot be made a permanent basis so this is how evolution takes place even in religious law we have religions then we have different paths and the other is man made law this also fails and this fails for very obvious reason because human mind is not the creator of this universe well if human mind is the creator as some believe there is hardly any hope but well fortunately human mind is not the creator of this universe um and therefore any man made system will by its very nature be incomplete this sheer plain logic even with the best of intentions when a doctor gives a medicine and the medicine has been produced let's say in an ideal world with the best of intention it still will 
create one good and it will create another harm and harm is not just about side effects let's say for instance modern medicine it has done wonderful things but robbed us of our natural capacity to heal ourselves it's a very big price that we have paid so because human mind cannot see all sides of a problem it cannot comprehend the root issues so therefore if we believe that human mind can solve the problems of mankind uh I think we are asking for the impossible and I often suggest before the human with the human mind you want to solve the problems of humanity and world and Oroville and all those things. Can you just solve the problem within your house? And when I use the word house, I mean the confines of a small little family. It's so difficult. Human mind cannot. And there we hit the core of the problem. The core of the problem is that in the process of individualization, why individualization? Shobindu described beautifully that there are three terms. This is something very unique uh, to Indic thought, but Shobindu brings it out very beautifully. Not all Indic thought. Well, the Gita and Shobindu particularly they speak about it. There are three terms at which the divine manifests: the individual, the universal, and the transcendent. It's there in Christian mystic thought, but it has been lost. The Father, Son and the Holy Spirit. It has been lost because the yoga has been lost. That has been one of the problems. In Islam, the yoga has been lost. So, this is the fundamental, this fundamental unit of individual and making an individual requires that the individual or the developing consciousness has to separate itself from the rest. It's like putting... Uh, you know, the base of ice cream is the same, but we want to have different flavors. So we put it in a separate mold and put add different flavors. So you have butterscotch, you have pistachio and you have chocolate and you have vanilla and all these flavors. The divine wants a many flavored ice cream, not just a single flavor or all kichadi flavor. So as a result, it has to separate itself and that's why the ego has been created. The ego has been created so that we, each one of us develop along unique lines. We express some mode or other of the divine of that totality of that infinite consciousness and that's where the problem lies that when the mold is broken as long as we are inside the mold it's okay but when the mold is broken it either creates a tremendous chaos misunderstanding conflict trying to prove a point in one word it is the ego which is the real bar now in individual life itself ego is a big challenge to overcome why because on one side it is required to preserve our so called individuality and on the other side it is a big bar when we take to spiritual life so what is the solution the mother and shobindu given us a beautiful solution that ego is a scaffolding behind the individual ego there is the true individual soul so to finish the ego without discovering this individual soul the psychic being in us is not the way because then we become like a football there are so many people who who come and say that you know i want to overcome my ego i want to overcome this part of ego that part of ego it doesn't work out uh, so they go to an extent of becoming a martyr that well i should not be egoistic so whoever kicks me i must accept it why because i should not be martyr it's like the tolerant people give rise to so much intolerance in the world because they want to be tolerant so they tolerate intolerance and so intolerance becomes multiplies because this is now not how it can be done so what is important is to discover the individual psychic being then at least the individual uh, ego is rightly replaced 
the the scaffolding goes and then the individual is there it becomes the stable basis the immortal self and it becomes the stable basis for further evolution in light and freedom and joy this is still simple because there have been people who have done that discovered the individual self within and they have lived very beautifully harmoniously with their surroundings it is said that in the atmosphere of such a yogi the tiger and deer they do not fight human beings do fortunately this saying is not applicable to human human beings can fight anywhere they <laughs> have that capacity it's such a strange paradox nature has made her dropped off her nails dropped off our canines everything is gone <laughs> but still we can fight uh, and fight so badly because we have a weapon and that is called speech <laughs> which has been the cause of so much destruction in the world but that apart that's a different story altogether but still there have been individuals who have got over their ego self they have discovered the true self within and they live in harmony if you read mother's one of the books that she used to recommend she has read also in the wednesday classes or friday classes who way uh, the way it's something very beautiful it's about how to live life beautifully harmoniously in a yogic way it's something amazing so there have been individuals who have discovered it and it has been presumed that if there are many individuals who discover it we'll have a beautiful life so that's how we see that certain <clears throat> collective spiritual organizations have evolved that if all of us discover our individual self life would become beautiful i wish it could because even when we discover the individual self our nature remains what it is it can be to an extent modified somebody who has discovered the psychic being somebody who has discovered the spiritual self it doesn't mean that the nature is automatically transformed and great yogis who saw this paradox when they discovered their true self and the movements of nature so they just said this is not possible so you discover the individual self live to an extent it is possible in harmony with whatever and then you at the end you have to release yourself that's why we see that even sages like durvasha who whose word was truth he was not an ordinary sage somebody if he said something it turned out to be true that means there was a great tapasya and yet he had no control over his anger we have examples of gautam rishi we have examples of um vishwamitra so even the great sages and saints and rishis they still had this problem of human nature and this is a problem nobody has really tackled and in traditional yoga the way is that well make it a little more sattvic so i think before we can talk about superhumanity mother speaks of an important step which i think is so important even to lead a uh, simple beautiful life forget about superhumanity she says before you can reach there there is a step that all of us must take and that is be reasonable the whole aphorism of shirobindo where mother has dedicated only to this be reasonable and being reasonable is that when we have expectation have reasonable expectations if we have demands have reasonable demands both from life as well as from people around when we communicate with people be reasonable don't cross a certain line these are in modern society this is one gift that most of us tend to hopefully become reasonable 
But in yoga there is another challenge. And the challenge is because we want to transcend reason. And in the process we are likely to become irrational. It is a fact. And Shubhita speaks about it. That suddenly the mental control with which we normally operate, that's our operating system. Because we start exploring territories and boundaries which are beyond the realm of the mind. And this I'm talking of genuinely exploring. The way the mind operates with our nature, with instinct, with certain things, that is unplugged. We are as if unplugged and not yet replugged. Shavinda speaks of this stage of uh, a transition between when the mental control is not there and the psychic control has not come up. And that's why yoga is not meant for all. This is first thing which you have been there in the mother. Because you have to cross through. Other day someone was asking, in Savitri there is a line, to cross the dangerous spaces of the soul and touch the mighty mother stark awake. So what are the dangerous spaces? It is a dangerous space. Reason keeps us within a small narrow band. Move within this range. But there are territories where we don't go. Reason tells us, you know. But the moment these spaces begin to open up, we see that strange things begin to happen. And that's where it becomes difficult. It's the first level of difficulty that one encounters when one takes to spiritual life. And it's, it may sound, oh, okay, it's just a little bit, but it becomes formidable because especially in a yoga where we enter into the fields of nature to change it, our individual difficulties are compounded by the difficulties of the group life. It's easy to understand even ordinarily there is an interdependence between the individual and the group. And therefore the mother speaks of the double effort. The collective life must also evolve as well as the individual because otherwise there is an interdependence. Beyond the point, let's take an example that you are living in a society and in a, now we are talking of society. We are not isolated beings and there is a group which says, chalo, chalo, let's go for a movie. Or let's, you know. So it has an impact. Even, even when an, an individual has to work so much upon oneself to master this urge than when one is living, let's say, in a forest. But the mother and Shobindo want us to take that challenge. She says that, that at one place she says, um, she speaks passingly, this should not be turned into a judgment, but she passingly she says, uh, to start all over again in some Himalayan gorge with just about few people. Then she says, well, that has been tried, but it doesn't work. We know what happened to Shangri-La. I mean, people even now talk about uh, Shangri-La and Gyan Ganj and uh, there are different names people have given to some idyllic place in the Himalayas. And uh, in this place, everybody lives happily, harmoniously. But the problem is they do not come in contact with the world. You know, there was a movie based on Shangri-La because the moment they come in contact with the world, they catch the disease. Like one of the things which was there in Shangri-La is that they don't age. And you know, the only people who can reach everywhere are the reporters. So one curious reporter <laughs> manages to sneak in and he falls in love with one of the um, girls in that Shangri-La and finally he convinces her, no, no, we'll go out. It's a wonderful world out there. This world is nice, but you know, it's all clouds and heavenly music. You don't know what is pizza. You don't know what is, uh, you know the joy of um, the adventure. 
So finally she agrees and she is very beautiful, perennially beautiful. Very beautiful is okay, but perennially beautiful. They don't age. But as they step out, she suddenly turns old and within a moment she turns into dust. It's a very tragic and you see in that movie. Because any contact with the outside world. So this is another challenge. which We see that the mother speaks several times about Auroville. The porousness, where it will mix, how much it should mix, how much it should not. In ashram she had created a little more stricter, uh, strict is not a way of uh, correct thing because, well, those who come, they are meant to, expected to make a conscious choice. So it's not like strict, like an imposed discipline. But it was understood that if there is too much of intermingling, because one evolution is like that, it will create a certain type of humanity, which will begin to become different from the rest. Many of us understand this very well that you can't go back to the same relatives go back in the same atmosphere which one was accustomed to earlier and one is to respect that because this is a different venture and if we keep doing it it's not healthy mother used to say this that you know if you do that that's why we have cinema halls inside the ashram uh, when cinema came and people wanted to watch cinema she uh, she would buy all the tickets I think it was one of uh, the French places, I am forgetting uh, the name. So people would go and watch the Why? Because she said this is a very special endeavor. One has to understand what it means. And if there is a premature intermingling, it creates its problems. It's only when one is ready, strong, that it can have an impact. Otherwise, there is every likelihood that as the plant is developing, it can be eaten up. So all this, when we look into Mother and Shurvindu's writings, she had foreseen about Aurobil also. She says, who will come? And she says, they must know why they are coming here. And she speaks about initially taking on a period of, um, uh, it's, it's like a trial, she has used the word trial period. It applies in the ashram also. And why they use the word trial period? To see whether, how you react to the, community based on a new consciousness and how the community reacts to you and all this. So there is a trial period in which people are taken in to see how far they have accepted it. And one has to understand there are several things. He says people must know that this is not a place for easy life, for a comfortable life, for a life of desires. All this is there written in our um, when she speaks about Auroville, something very similar to Ashram, but for Auroville, just imagine a town where you are not supposed to live for desires. What towns or cities? <laughs> all cities have developed around desires. In one of her early writings, she speaks about um, the atmosphere of Paris. Now, people would love to go and have ah, you went to Paris. Now, it's not only Paris, it could equally apply to Mumbai. It could apply to Chennai, it could apply to London, New York. But she says the atmosphere is so much more difficult and dense. And it is so true. Even in one of her prayers, she says, how much more effort will be required to pull those who are plunged in darkness in the life of the cities? See, there is a difference because village life grew organically. There were people who were there, they developed roots, cultivated it, was, it developed in a very natural way. But city life is a very, very artificial way. Because people start some factories, industries and people rush there. And then there is money. Then there is ease of living, comfort. So they rush towards cities. And then the whole city develops around desire self. 
and of course uh, to sometimes in some cities you want to also you realize feed also to the inner self so there will be some temple or um, something or the other to or some cultural center to feed your inner self but largely it is developed around the city so imagine a city which he wants to build where you are not there to satisfy your desires not only that she says you have to overcome your desires <laughs> first challenge for human beings people often ask if desire is not there then what is there in life somebody asked the mother mother you are saying in the new creation there would not be a digestive system i mean it will be replaced by constant interchange of energies so the person asked mother that mother what will be the joy of living <laughs> if we don't have food and she said that means one is not ready one is not ready for this she is not saying don't eat or fast she is not saying don't enjoy if you have a good food but to live for eating to be preoccupied with food either ways this is just one example she is not saying that wear any kind of sanyasi clothes dirty clothes no wear decent clothes but don't start living around centering around clothes that's how we see most of the life no possessions very difficult it is there is a very beautiful term you know these are terms from the gita which i correlate when i read for instance one word is aparigraha shubhendra has written a whole letter on aparigraha aparigraha means i own nothing <laughs> very interesting we are so used to owning from uh, wife and husband and children to houses and objects and everything and that's why we understand how profound and far reaching is this vision where she she says in oroville nobody owns anything but there has to be a owner we can't understand it when she gave that the charter that oroville belongs to nobody in particular she hesitates on what to put next she says if i write no nation then <laughs> indian government will be furious <laughs> you don't belong here you will follow the rules or no well if you are in a land you have to follow the rules of the land if i write no civilization again there will be problem so she wrote a very vague word and she says i have deliberately used the vague word and the vague word was to humanity in as a whole and she said i have deliberately left it vague <laughs> so that nobody he says but there will be differences now everybody thinks they are the humanity but she says because people will not understand this so she adds but to live in orwell one has to be the willing servitor of the divine consciousness here again she makes a little commentary she says i wanted to write divine but again they will come up with their notions of god divine no 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 okay divine consciousness yes that sounds bit impersonal bit so sees <laughs> so meaning thereby when it is said that it doesn't belong to anybody but belongs to humanity as a whole there is a keyword the most important aspect which we miss out and that is but but to live in orwell one has to be a willing not just a servitor because oh i have to work for 6 hours it doesn't mean that willing see this again the gita speaks of glad See, Gita says that you know, surrender is not something which is forced upon you. It should be something glad. It should be joyous. The divine it doesn't taste good when we are bitter and say, "Oh, I have to work." 
Divine finds that chocolate, bitter chocolate. No, bitter chocolate may be good for health, but you know, divine doesn't, I don't know. But it doesn't sound tasty to the divine. So when we are glad, willing servitor makes a big difference. When we are willing servitors, we are ready to work. We are no more working for money, but for the joy of serving the divine. And repeatedly she insists on karmi yoga, the joy of serving the divine. And honestly, there is no greater joy than that in the world. But you know, well, as they say, those who are bitten, they understand <laughs> that there is no greater joy. The joy of serving the divine, I mean, there's, um, just for the sake of serving the divine. And where would one fix the limit that these many hours I am going to work and I won't work here? The whole world becomes a field. So she says, but to live in Auroville, one has to be the willing servitor of the divine consciousness, the very first condition at the entry point. And then later on, she said something very amazing, very powerful, one of the most powerful uh, Mahavakyas I I have ever read in any of Mother's writings. Each of them is a Mahavakya. But she says when it was asked, who is the owner of Auroville? And that one, three words, they hit you so beautifully, so hard. Who is the owner of Auroville? She says, the Supreme Lord. (laughs) The whole core, the Supreme Lord. It changes the whole perspective. Can I understand the ways of working of the Supreme Lord? So people who pass a judgment, premature judgment. She says at one place, the Auroville is going to be, even if it takes hundreds and thousands of years, she uses this time span. Why? Because it is the Supreme Lord's initiative. But fortunately, or unfortunately, depends on how we look at it, We cannot understand the ways of the Lord who makes harmony emerge through strife. Often people say when we look at Auroville when it started in the history, it started with this, it started with the Big Bang and soon there was a strife and not an ordinary strife. I don't even want to put adjectives to that strife. Why there is strife? Because he said, let's start with the ultimate problem. So all different human natures, nationalities, everything, they come together and there is a strife and a terrible strife. Why? Because he said, let's start with the ultimate challenge of division, extreme division. What we are facing now is nothing. It's it's a much more reduced version. That's how the divine works. Time to time this strife will emerge. Why? Because that is the way it has to be resolved. It is there inside. Often people nowadays ask this question that, you know, have we become very intolerant and all kinds of things are coming up. Well, they are coming up because they are unresolved issues which are inside. And human nature has to figure out a way. Guided by the divine, it will figure out a way that they have to be resolved. You can't let them be buried. So often we can use it this way that justice and challenges to ideologies, religions. So here we come to the next level of challenge in a collective life. So there have been collective lives, as I said, collective spiritualized society, but their problem have been, there have been two sectarian, Sikh, uh, the Khalsa, Shobindu says it was the last effort to form a spiritualized society. And a very beautiful effort, 
where there were only two principles that you do remember the name and you share with everybody i don't know uh, i've forgotten wandchak you, you may know better naam jab wandchak kirat kirat kar do your work karma yoga do your work as dedication to the divine and whatever you are eating share with everybody it's a collective thing it's not only about eating all possessions you share with everybody everything belongs to everybody but the problem was it was one angle of approach so there again we see that it it is difficult to integrate with different kinds of approaches because divine is infinite so it itself falls into this tendency to become a religion especially when you know the living masters they are replaced by a book great book scripture and you know um, it tends to crystallize and external is more important how you dress how you wear it become more important than the inner realization so auroville has to again exist by the force of inner realization because she has not left any of these external uh, scaffoldings on which we can hold on and say that i am an auroville it is so difficult just entering auroville and he has a good criteria the the guard on the road he doesn't see anything he sees pondicherry car or tamil nadu car i don't know he has some kind of a brain wave based on that he stops <laughs> so because there is no other way <laughs> and you have to explain i am going for a talk first of all he looks and he doesn't believe that you know he doesn't look like a baba ji going for a talk so <laughs> but i think living here they have got trained <laughs> so i have to say pondicherry ashram auroville like trying to say that i belong to all these places oh pondicherry ashram ha okay okay <laughs> go <laughs> there is no external criteria there is nothing which is outward which is so beautiful so you have to find the deep connection but we have collective egos which take different forms one of the commonest form is of course we know ego which is based on purely the place that we live it is the most um, uh, grossest form of ego and when in uh, in the ashram context people asked her now they, though they have uh, guest houses karnataka nilayam odia nilayam all this is there but when mother was asked about it people even wanted to have a groups like that she says provincial spirit is out of place in yoga it's a fundamental thing based on language you speak custom tradition because why because we want that comfort zones and she says that auroville is not a place for comfortable life means comfort zones oh he speaks the same language as mine very nice you eat the same food as mine very nice these are very gross things and the least is to get rid of this overcome go past this provincial spirit but then provincial spirit is one part there are other forms of collective egos there is the national ego so again like our individual ego this is something very uh, it's it's important because there are people i myself used to believe at one point national boundaries religion boundaries you have to transcend it till it hit me hard that this is so dangerous when i read what shurbind has written about the world state and now of course we know about the deep state i think many people know how dangerously world is being controlled by a few people who are literally uh, i mean it's not about uh, believing in conspiracy theory but facts are there that you know how they are engaged in 
moving government shifting businesses and what a deep net of money has gone into it money and political ambition but this not the subject but just like family is the first unit where we learn about collective linking they, they want to break the family unit it's it's very risky family is the first step in which we learn to share this is the minimum and the next unit is we have the national where we have to learn to be together but there again not through the national ego because nationalism can be of two types one is the egoistic ambitious aggressive type and if i may use the word ravana type of nationalism very wants kishkinda very wants uh, dandakaran very wants the other places and the other is rama type he clears all these places with the rakshasa type of humanity establishes dharma but he doesn't occupy any of these places he gives it back to the local native people and comes back to ayodhya very reigns so this is another kind of nationalism where within a national boundary each nation is unique it has a nation soul and it is around this we must center and not around the national ego so there is a difference just as there is a individual soul we have to discover the national soul and align with it it doesn't matter where we are born wherever we are born obviously with that national soul and we have to bring that into an offering in the yajna of orwell the best in a nation the deepest essence of a nation and each nation has that but very often we know what happened in the beginning the national egos came and therefore there were fights so national ego is very far much more formidable whereas we have to discover each one here also has a national background and one has to discover the national soul not belong to a nationality but as one has to discover and bring it as that as an offering then there is apart from national ego religious ego my religion is bestest it's like kids who say my papa is best till they discover all papas are the same there is nothing so special about my papa but as a child it's okay so when religions are in very kiddy kiddy stages they say my religion is the best till then it's okay but when you say my religion is the only religion when it when you say that my papa is the only papa you are a fatherless child then there is a problem serious problem <laughs> so religious ego fanaticism fundamentalism breeds intolerance and it comes from the mother says exclusivity of religion this is the only problem remove it everything is fine there is no issue but the moment a religion says exclusive that's why here she says no religions in orwell but human beings we are experts at making a religion out of no religion <laughs> i think <laughs> yes that's a fact i was so surprised i saw that religion out i am not going to talk about it in detail <laughs> a whole group has been organized no religion it's like there is a cult of atheism be a seeker it doesn't matter what you call yourself or what the world calls you so there can be we have a tendency to form groups and you know cults around whatever but that's how humanity advances so no religions so you can't hold on to your religion in its outer aspect inner core yes inner core of every religion is spiritual and it sticks so hard imagine when 
Sayyid Ibrahim had come, Shurabindra and the mother, he came to know about his past life. They told him, you are Dara, Shiko, Dara, him the name of Dara. He had the experience of the divine everywhere, thanks to the grace of Shurabindra, because he, uh, when he came, uh, Shurabindra asked him, have you been to the sea? He said, uh, yes. How did you like the sea? Very good. And then he said, sir, is there a divine also in the sea? Because... According to certain religions, divine is up there in the seventh heaven. But Indic religions, they take it that divine is also in you and in every element of creation. This is a fundamental difference. So he says, uh, uh, Shubhinda said, yes, lifted his feet, foot a, a few inches above the stool on which it was resting. And placing it back on the stool, he said, yes, and he had the experience of the divine. Otherwise he was thinking that, you know, I am a Muslim, probably he will not, uh, they all talk about Krishna and I won't have. And he had that experience. And in spite of that, at one point, he saw people are doing agarbatti. Now, there was a logic behind it, of offering flowers. So he writes a letter to Sri I want to do my namaz five times a day. And it is to him that Shurabindo write that famous letter on fundamentalism and fanaticism. He said, you have to understand, it's not that Agarbatti is being allowed or Darshan Pranam as a practice of Hinduism. There is a deep sense within it. So when we talk about religion, very often we discard the baby with the bath water. We have to understand that spiritual core has... Being preserved in many places is intact and that spiritual core we must connect it. It becomes a religion when everybody has asked that you must offer flowers at the samadhi, then there is a religion. Like some I see mothers, well-meaning mothers, bringing their little children and when the child is playful around the samadhi, they catch the head, put it on the samadhi, bow down and suddenly the child is lost. That I thought I am going to meet the divine, such a wonderful divine. What's my mummy doing? Or when they go to dining room, she force feeds. Because if you don't eat, it is prasad. You are doing blasphemy. It's the same tendency. That's not how it is done. So that freedom is allowed. But this freedom is simply because we have to explore the divine along different lines. This freedom is not meant for doing what we like. Repeatedly mother says this freedom is not licentiousness. This freedom is to allow each one to explore and connect with the divine in one's own way. So this freedom is an antidote to fundamentalism which is about exclusivity approach and compelling everybody to do something by force. No, there is no compulsion. But it does it mean that I will do whatever I feel like? Not at all. When people ask the mother, so and so is uh, getting drunk, what should we do? She said they must understand that drunkenness and unconsciousness has no place in Auroville. And she says the same about drugs. So mother is asked, what should we do? Because we were sending the person away. But you said, yes, you keep. She said, no, 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 it didn't happen like that. The person didn't tell me anything, just wrote to me that I want to stay on. I said, yes, but in future I am telling you that if you find such thing, you can do it yourself, you don't have to ask me. These are her words all documented. Life of drugs, licentiousness, alcohol has no place because it's a, 
it is going to retard everybody's progress because it's something so important she made one concession though she said there are people there are individual cases where people are they get you know uh, it's a different story there many years they have worked here lived here and then they get into something as part of the challenges of nature which come out she said that is a different thing altogether but otherwise it's there in her words so i get very surprised when there are people who speak about freedom therefore you know she has allowed anything everything in her own writings it is there they should be sent away these are her words so this is a very specialized kind of effort and we should be happy that we are participant to a great event we may not live to see in this body but to even participate in a collective yagya is something so beautiful so there are religious egos and there are words still ideological egos mother has said ideologies and religions stand on the same level like ambition and sex stand on the same level as far as the downfall is concerned so ideologies and religion stand on the same level religion still at least have uh, one focus you can say okay he is also seeking god i am also seeking god but in ideology the uh, thing can be so strong some of the most intolerant debaters on television i am not recommending it should ever be bashed unless you want to go crazy if you don't respect your sanity watch these debates ideological debates and when we look at them one can see that the most intolerant people are those who are crying for tolerance and they don't want the other type to ever be near ideologies are man made they are mental thing they are useful as a scaffolding they have their place but this is for something higher none of the ideologies if they could save the world world would have already been saved but they have not been able to save the world ideologies religions they have not been able to save mankind they have helped us so it comes the focus comes back on to spiritualization and the mother says very clearly this too she says if you don't want to do yoga then why are you here these are her words she, she never said people will do it any which way any which i mean she she is not going to impose anything she is very vast but it is very clear this is a place karma yoga is the minimum but she says it's a cradle of the superman and it is to prepare the super humanity of the future so when we set these things inwardly in the right place then the whole effort becomes so beautiful meaningful it's not a meaningless free for all freedom do whatever we like and somehow something will happen one day we will have this grand utopia ready <laughs> more likely we will take it pull it down towards destruction but then i always remember when in savitri and that's what happens to the collective life of mankind uh, there is a parable for the search of the soul so savitri starts looking into her soul she sees that there is the surface life in which human beings are engaged it's the ordinary life of mankind where we are just living running from one event to another circumstance to another situation to another one food packet to another like that then there is the inner life where so much more is happening about which we are not aware and first step is to become aware of the inner life and deep within is the cc is the word the secret king who is sitting 
but he is guarded by the gods you can't see him it's still a prince so only when he grows that he steps into the outer chamber but for this great spiritual change to be the heavenly psyche must put off her veil and step into common nature's crowded rooms so it is not that oracle can be created without finding the psychic being psychic transformation spiritual transformation is impossibility the rest of humanity is trying each one is trying their own ideal world but it is a very special effort so she sees this is there but again she sees but all is there even god's opposites so we think that these conflicts that take place from time to time are only external but the greater the challenge the greater will be the forces tremendous forces which are going to oppose it why because when she was asked why are you making oracle several places one place she speaks about human unity but one place she repeatedly speaks of oracle as she says that's why there is oracle and she saw that the world is on an imminent catastrophe and all this is you know when shurbindo is there this idea of oracle is she says as a child she had the formation and if you look at it ultimately the search for an ideal city has been there since the time mankind began to form groups and began to think and see so since childhood but she left it because this is a later work mankind has to evolve much before one can talk about a collective organization centered around the divine it's very difficult so she left it in paris which later on it seems the architect picked it up and shurbindo and the mother had spoken about it a place where shurbindo will be at the center then later on huta comes up with a suggestion mother why not near the lake we'll have this that she talks about all the discusses the plans 1965 and she says why not near the lake and uh, there there will be a hillock on which my house will be there and your house will be at the center <laughs> and mother laughs she says i am not going anywhere and her reason is so amazing she says i am not going anywhere from here because the samadhi is here no other reason but then she says time to time i can come in the car <laughs> and i can be there even we know that during shurbindo's physical presence in hyderabad there was a place likely to come up everything was almost finalized until uh, for some ma- major one issue but a very major issue about uh, i think um, how it will interact with the outside world and that's where it stopped and then she gave up the idea and then it came up again and came up when hota speaks about it and then 1968 we know that you know how how it started and that of course we are well aware so this is something which is a tremendous effort and there are forces behind to destroy it so uh, this is very interesting she speaks about uh, it is tower of babel in reverse so we all know about tower of babel that people are building a tower from earth to heaven it's a very interesting analogy it reminded me of the way of the gita if you want a beautiful world remember the ashwath tree urdhava mola shaka so it means that tree of life its um the roots are in heaven so every time i go to some place and see a logo where they make the tree of life i tell them that your painting is put in the wrong way 
What do you mean? I said you have to keep it upside down. No, no, but it will look odd. I said yes, creation is odd. The only way you can make sense is if you look at it upside down. (laughs) Otherwise you can't make sense. (laughs) Because origin is the divine. That's why when she was asked how can humanity become one, she said by becoming conscious of its origin. So it's a tower of Babel in reverse because this tower was being built and when the devil saw, whatever, okay, the word devil is very devilish, but anyways, those forces which oppose human unity, let's use a modern term, but maybe it, it, <laughs> it may be judgmental. So, uh, he started creating confusion in the minds of people. They knew that they, human beings form a bridge through speech. So, he disturbed the speech in such a way that when one said X, the other person heard Y and understood Z in his mind. And the confusion started. They started fighting. The bricks which are meant for building the tower started throwing at each other. So it remained incomplete. Now this story, she speaks about Tower of Babylon reverse. Now there people came together, they end up fighting. She says humanity should come together in a great effort. But it is to start with the divine and then let it spread. First task is to find the divine. It cannot be otherwise. And then let it spread outward and downward. And I have this another take from this very interesting story which the mother has said. As long as we emphasize so much on the outer speech and language and all this, there will be problem. Languages never create unity. But when we look at the heart and the ideal that is enshrined there or the divine presence, then we can have the unity. It will spontaneous, it will come about. So she spoke about it as a tower of Babylon in reverse. Meaning thereby first discovered the roots and the seed. And where is the seed of Auroville? It is the Supreme Lord. There is no other way, as long as we understand that it is the Supreme Lord who is involved in Auroville and we have to find him, connect with him, any which way, it doesn't matter. And then we can probably participate in the true way. Till then we are only, as he said, apprentice Superman. So before we just, uh, maybe just read a little bit, uh, just two, three, at least the charter I'll read. Um, So, um, before we, you know, do anything, this discovery of the divine presence, he speaks about that is the first fundamental necessity. And then all the rest comes as a natural consequence. So, Auroville, as it is today, as I understand, and I think it's true of uh, Ashram also, but Ashram is a slightly different organization. In the Ashram, Subindu speak about the human atmosphere and the divine atmosphere. And Rishabh Chand put it in a very nice way. He said, if people come here, mother, and if they see us, they will never want to stay here. But if they see you, they will never want to go away from here. So, Aura will also exist on two levels. One is where a higher humanity, at least humanity which doesn't want to engage in that kind of deep yoga, but at least it's present, which wants life to become better, which has goodwill, which wants to collaborate. It wants world to become a better place, at least a kind of human unity. But this layer will only work if there is that other layer which is a spiritualized humanity striving towards things like divine realization, spiritual transformation, transformation of nature, the key which was missing in past religious efforts. Then only it will be possible. If this increases and that is not increasing, it is bound to collapse. So the method is the same that she advised Whenever you meet with a difficulty, <clears throat> she advises regarding oral difficulties also. Uh, 
What is to be done instead of complaining, grumblings? He says, intensify your aspiration. It is so beautiful a method. Any difficulty, most, I mean, one can literally use the word any means any. Any and many together. Let's put it like that. So the way is not to start analyzing his difficulty, try to see, do, do this, do that, but to intensify the aspiration. See if there is a core where the aspiration for Auroville, for the divine manifestation upon earth, is completely seizes our whole being. It doesn't matter. It could be a group uh, now, you know, in time and space, wherever it is. Of course, if we can join together in various ways, people are trying, it will be wonderful. So she gave the path towards meeting the difficulties by intensifying the aspiration. There is a very beautiful place where she says in 1954, she says, this is the condition of the earth and it is not very beautiful. But there is something we can do and there is something she can do is by intensifying our aspiration, by conquering space and time for the divine. Meaning thereby that little space I call the body or the little space is which, which is there in which I am step, putting my step. If that can be made entirely filled with divine atmosphere and time, if in a day I have 24 hours, if, if it can be occupied as much as possible in divine service or divine remembrance, if we can do that, then we can overcome all the challenges. And she says in a little uh, uh, in a certain sense, we had done it in the Second World War. What an example she is giving. What are these challenges? Second World War, she said, in a way it was done during the Second World War. That's why during the Second World War, she had to, Shubhinder had to say that if you all want the ashram to close, tell me. I will close it myself. But you must understand this is not an ordinary war. There are tremendous forces behind and people should not alley with all kinds of forces. So, there is only one force with which we have to align and that is the divine. And in the end, uh, there is a very interesting remark that the mother made. You know, nowadays we talk about galaxy plan and all those plans. So, if you, something very touching, something which um, filled my heart with a deep um, sense of, um, if I may use the word psychic sorrow, um, when the satellite, the galaxy plan was shown to her, she wrote below it, the divine consciousness crucified by man. I don't think I need to speak any further. She approved of it. She liked it. She said, yes, this is how it is. But below that she, she wrote, divine crucified. Consciousness, divine, crucified by man, exact words or something like that. So the charter we read about, Auroville belongs to nobody in particular, Auroville belongs to humanity as a whole, but to live in Auroville, one must be a willing servitor of the divine consciousness. And of course we know the rest of the thing, it is a place of an unending education, like a child who... It Auroville wants to be the bridge between the past and the future and she kept reminding not the old way of solving problems. The new way can only come when we discover this new little thing inside us. That's the new. In the Vedas, what is regarded as new is Agni. And when the Agni is born, the Vedic Rishi said child is born, offspring. 
He has to be guarded, nurtured. In one place in Sintesa of Yoga, she says, Shabinda says that when we use the word renunciation, we don't mean harshness or crushing things. He says, Krishna within is like a child who must be nurtured and nourished, not tortured like the ascetics do. So this is the divine child inside us. That is the new. All else in humanity is old. All the mental ways are old. And that new is not fashion new. It is the newest of the new and the oldest of the old. That we must discover. That is the new way. It will teach us or it will tell us what is the way. And of course, uh, Superman consciousness and all these things are there. But at least the psychic being which will open the door to the new way. And it will be a state of material and spiritual researches and a living embodiment of the actual unity. See, mark the words actual unity, not facade of unity, not inter-religious dialogues, not inter-faith coming together. Age of religions is over. Let people have dialogues wherever they want to have. It's a different ascension altogether. And she says in Auroville, of course he speaks of uh, relation between ashram and Auroville. Ashram remains its role of pioneer, inspirer and guide and Auroville is an attempt towards collective realization. I'll just quickly read through some of the things. Uh, it is for the growth of consciousness and consecration the, uh, to the truth that has to be realized. Unselfishness is the first need to participate in the creation of Auroville. All those who want an easy life and to do what they please as they please Say, let's go to Auroville. It should be just the opposite. People should know that coming to Auroville means an almost superhuman effort for progress. Life is not uh, easy and we take the challenge. That's the beauty. The human soul can take the challenge. We are here to prepare a superhumanity, not to fall back into desires and easy life. The power of the realization, of the sincerity of the realization is such that it's unbearable to those who are insincere. She says that should be the way. And finally, living in Auroville is a choice. But once you choose one thing, some others become incompatible. Very, very clear. There is no ambiguity left. If you make a choice for this, we can't say I'm choosing this, 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 multiple options, I'll switch channels, I'll listen to Astha channel, there is a Babaji giving discourse, is very boring, let me go to a dance party and let me go to, you know, uh, there is a movie coming, it, it doesn't work like that. Once we make a choice, nobody compels to make a choice, that's why there is the trial period and all those things. And beautiful word, a utopia on the way to realization. Any movement backward or downward is in contradiction to the life in Auroville, which is life of ascent towards the future. Transformation and progress. Auroville is for those who want to live a life essentially divine. It's not a life where we live just uh, any kind of life. Then it's no point. That life is there everywhere. The whole world is there. And this is the first step is to discover the um, psychic being. This freedom must not be a new slavery to the ego, to its desires and ambition. The more we are consciously in contact with our inner being, the more are the exact means given to us. And, okay. 
For those who are satisfied with the world as it is, Auroville obviously has no reason to exist. Cradle of the Superman and one very beautiful thing with which we can stop. Okay. You say that Auroville is a dream. Mother says, yes, it is a dream of the Lord. And generally these dreams turn out to be true. Much more true than the human so-called realities. Earth needs a place where men can live away from all national rivalries, social conventions, self-contradictory moralities and contending religions. But what does it mean? The second part is a place where human beings freed from all slavery to the past can devote themselves wholly to the discovery and practice of the divine consciousness that is seeking to manifest. So when it is said beyond conventions, he says only those who have, it's the discovery of the divine and not to fall back. We are freed from all convention, therefore I'll do whatever I feel like. And the last word is, Auroville wants to be this place. What place? Where one lives wholly to the discovery and practice of the divine consciousness that is seeking to manifest. Auroville wants to be this place and offers itself to all who aspire to live the truth of tomorrow. Um, it's gone beyond uh, time, but if there is something, I don't know. Yes, please, please. Um, it's about physical group size. The ashram is maybe 2,000 people in one place. Orville is supposed to be 50,000 people in one place. Does it change with the internet? Because it's a virtual uh, group. Is it still with 50,000? Yes, but uh, uh, definitely the group, the constitution of the group is much more different. I would put it like that, much more than the number. In fact, Auroville, if we go back to what the mother wants, she would want more because of two reasons. One, there were people at some point of time who were asking her for the yoga. And in 1971-72, in fact, there is a famous letter to Ravindraji, who is so close to mother. He was one of the mini trustees who was giving work. He says, my family has turned up. It's a very strange letter. So what should I do? She says, I wish I could accommodate uh, more people, but I don't have place. So one thing is that there are people in humanity uh, all over the world who have goodwill, but they are caught up in the you know usual life of um, at least earning a basic livelihood and things like that. And ashram cannot provide that kind. It doesn't have the space and very practically it is not possible. So Auroville is a space much wider with a much more, it's a township. It's not an ashram. So that way it has a much more possibility of taking in a lot more people. This one part. Second is from an evolutionary perspective, there has to be a certain number of humanity for a tipping point to come. Now, of course, that does not depend upon the number who are on the list of Aurovillans. But certainly, there has to be more people. But yes, people have to come by their inner calling and it should be very clear where are you going to come and enter into. So, I suppose there, there, there is much more, uh, I don't know, I'm not talking about the number that she wrote. But at least there should be a number of more people to um, 
you know, for the realization. But I think first, if we can handle <laughs> the little that we have, <laughs> then the money will come. Yeah. So that's why it, it will happen. But it will happen when the house is in order. <laughs> Put it like that. As an in-house person, I can say. Yes. Yes, please. I did not understand that you said about the plan. Okay. So, she, so you said that she moved, but she wrote Okay, I, actually I have a whole talk only on this, dedicated on this. So, look at it how, let's go to the origin. How do galaxies and everything starts? Auroville is the creation of the Supreme Lord. I mean, origin. There is a beautiful line in who? A poem. See, for these things one has to be a little poetic at heart, not only. <laughs> but we can use that also. So, what is that poem in who? Shivabindu describes after a few lines. He says, the, the hand... That sent Jupiter spinning through heaven. Spends all its cunning to fashion a cull. Now if you look at the galaxy. Okay. The world of the worlds. It's literally something has been set into motion in a spin. Now we have the example of Chandrayaan also. But Chandrayaan is trying to escape. Okay. So this spinning motion which holds the things together. In a harmony. See, this is something very amazing. As a physicist, when we study this universe, we, I mean, I am not a physicist, but I have taken a deep uh, interest, fascinated by physics. So, when you study the motion of these planets and everything, at its origin, what is that kind of centripetal force, which, uh, centrifugal force, sorry, which keeps them rightly aligned to the center and moving. And whenever there is something which breaks free, it becomes a challenge, the asteroids, etc., as we know that. Now, this is because when we have this world, the cosmic world, that's how it is described. It's right at the beginning, it holds all the different elements of creation together. It's like a sacred geometry in everything, like the swastika. So, swastika is movement in clockwise manner. It represents dynamic movement. Dynamic movement means evolution. And swastika is clock. When you reverse it, then it's, as the mother said, Hitler's case, it's the opposite. So galaxy motion is, is basically implies that there is everything is progressing, but always remains connected to the originating impulse, which has sent it through. And that creates the harmony and the order constantly. You can stir a water and see, you know, that's how we will see the particles forming a certain unit. It's the way nature operates. It doesn't require intellectual thought. So this is the plan which was given to her. There were a number of plans, but one of them was the galaxy plan, which she liked very much. And that's where I said, but I don't know why she looked, she smiled, she was happy. But she wrote in her own unique cryptic way. Let me see if I have put that... Um, where she wrote something which is uh, very touching. <coughs> no, I haven't. So, she wrote something very interesting that it is man crucifying the divine. Knowing that perhaps, I mean, we can all draw our own meaning, but that's a different matter altogether. But this is a plan which she gave, which is a plan consistent with nature, logic, common sense, and as I said, if you look at the way everything is created, there is a harmony in creation based on that. So that's what the galaxy plan is, that's all. And 
If you ask me very personally, I've even given a talk. When, when she has herself given, she has seen something thousand years ahead. I've even heard people say, well, doesn't matter, she's not there, she has let everything. I mean, which is uh, very jarring. It's okay, outside we can speak all these things, it doesn't matter. And well, here also one can speak and do whatever, I mean, it's up to each one. But look at the logic, she has seen all this, then one can say that about anything. Why make Matri Mandir? I mean, somebody asked me that uh, why actually a group of students, that there is so much gold which is put outside, don't you think it would have been better to feed poor people? People ask this, logic, very logical. I said, yes, there are plenty of people in the world to feed poor people. But there are very few who can manifest the divine consciousness in matter. So I said, Mother spoke about Matri Mandir, which is the soul of Auroville. She said that it is the divine's answer to man seeking for perfection. Look at it this way. The building, it's so symbolic. Round, the wholeness. Then each little unit and on that, so like a honeycomb, it's described by Shurabindu as uh, what is the ideal, perfect, uh, ultimate of creation, where each comb of the honeycomb is able to taste all the honey in all the combs. It's so beautiful. And at the core of it is that divine consciousness, uh, very symbolically represented. It's described in Savitri, uh, how beautifully that single ray lighting up and trembling. So that's how it is. It is she has given. Now, if we have to make everything on our own, in this world we have tried. And uh, we have failed. And we have failed miserably. And that's why she says, Auroville is for those who understand that human efforts have their limitations. And that's why the divine is there to help us and guide us. As simple as that. But there are things where she may not have said anything. I don't think she actually foresaw the plan of Savitri Bhavan and <laughs> did that. So Savitri Bhavan has come up like that by an inspiration by those who have been connected, Shadavan and many of them felt inspired and got connected. So there is a place for that also. So all these things are there. But the core, there are some core elements. They are best left undisturbed. They are because they are the core elements. There is so much scope for new kind of architecture and several places. And that's why it is unending education, research of all kinds, spiritual and other things. All that is there. But this is the core. Normally, normally in any, anything, core is kept intact. Like tomorrow we may say, what is the point of even using the word divine consciousness? Every human being is divine. It will be misapplication of a profound truth. Why human beings then? Even the reptile is divine. So my take is very simple, yes, yes, not only human beings, the snake is also divine, please bring in the home, put it around your neck and go to sleep because it's divine. Now this means <laughs> everyone is potentially divine, it has to be discovered. So core is divine, now we can't shift that core and imagine that things will come up. So that's how it is, so that's the galaxy plan about which I was sharing. Okay, so thank you so much. Namaste.